Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to uh, the Deeper Podcast this week. Uh, sorry, due to some technical difficulties, we uh, are unable to uh, play the first half of the podcast. So we're going to kind of jump in in the middle of this. So again, apologize. Uh, make sure you go and give us a five-star review and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And uh, make sure you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. in the Kindle Room at the Goey Center. Thanks so much, guys. I might have zoned out a little bit on the texting that I was doing. So we were discussing what really drew you to a church. Like when, when young people come into a church, what is something that would really draw people in, right? Especially young, young people, like what would it be about that church? You know, it, is okay. it because they're steadfast in certain things? Is it because, like, you know, like Serena was talking about, there's unity, true mm-hmm. unity, right? And, and what, what would that look like to you in a so, church? What I would say, what personally drew me in, and I can say would draw a lot of people in my age and younger, I came through a lot of places without love, and coming into a church like ours that I got to actively see love, that is what drew me in immediately. I saw that, and I was like, I want that. That mm-hmm. was the first thing I saw. I just It was like dumbfounding me because I, because I was like, all these people want me here, and all these people like want each other here. Seeing that was just eye-opening to me because I had never seen that anywhere before. Yeah. And it was, it was just awesome being able to have that. And to, uh, for someone to come out of a place where, especially just in the world today, there is not really love in the world today. People will go and they are like, oh, I feel accepted here. You can feel accepted without feeling actually loved. That's a good point. A lot of places where everyone says I'm so accepted. And with that being said, I think that if we focus more on the love aspect, you know, true unity, that type of thing, that would really draw more people in and let them see what it's all about. You know, and I, if more churches focused on that, that would be fantastic. Be awesome. Yeah. I think another thing, too, when I started coming here was it was so nice because people would come up to me and be like, hi. You're new. What's your name? <laughs> and I We're like, not weird. Not at all. <laughs> but like, that's nice because in the church I grew up in, no one does that. Mm. No one comes up to you. No one welcomes you. No one like tries to get to know you at all. And Hand I just... shake at the door. How you doing? Hi. Goodbye. They don't even do that. Wow. So it's just like... I haven't been to her parents' church. Yeah. If you can't tell. Um, but I don't know. It was just like... You have those people here who greet you at the door and then mm. you have the people once you're done. Like they come up to you and they're like... Nice to meet you. What's your name? What are you doing? And it's nice. It's nice to have those people like show that they care. And I think people check in every week too. Like when you walk in every Sunday, people come to you and they're like, "Hi, I didn't see you this week. How was your week?" And it's nice. I don't know. I like it. That is one of the awesome things that I love about being part of a um, a smaller church. You know, you go to a mega church, and yep. a lot of times you get lost in the crowd. But at our church, if you're not there, people notice mm-hmm. and people check in. So I think that that's been an added, added dynamic. You know, we got we got saved inside of a small church where if we didn't show up, they called us up. And I used to call in sick to our <laughs> pastors. I would call, them, "We're not going to make it to church today, guys. I'm sorry." You know, <laughs> some came up, and Sean was always, "What, what are you doing? Yeah. This isn't school. This isn't work." I think the pastor's like, "You guys don't need to call in sick." <laughs> you will be okay. So, something kind of funny when I I missed like a month to two months of church one time, and I'm not even kidding. The amount of texts that I got saying, "Hey, we miss you." I walked back in those doors after like two months. I got so many hugs 
from people literally just coming up to me. Where were you? You didn't <laughs> miss too much. You didn't show up for two months. There's, yeah, there's same a thing. No, I was just <laughs> missed two months. <laughs> I missed out on two months. There you go. There you go. But I think that's what's like, I don't know, just that right there. It's it's that I know that I matter. Yeah. I know that I matter. I'm not just a butt in a seat. I, as a person, I matter. People genuinely care about who I am as a person. Um, I, I, I mean something. I bring value, not because of what I do or who I am, but it's because of... Um, it's because of love that people see and, and express. And I just, I think that's, that's awesome. And that's how it should be mm -hmm. now. Like you guys um, being leaders in our youth group, um, what are some things that young people are, you know, saying that draw them to keep them coming into youth group? Like what are things that they're excited about? <laughs> the water gun fights, throwing balloons at Trevor, <laughs> <laughs> well, seeing him fun. dress up in different costumes on Sunday. <laughs> I hear that one goes pretty well with everybody. Yeah. I hear the adults like that too. Yeah, is that is that accurate? Yeah. I, I, it's accurate. I, that I we concur. I, oh, I've never heard that, so I can't. I can't speak to that. Scott specifically likes it when I dress up in costume. Well, the absolutely. bunny costume. The bunny costume. He really absolutely. Loved. The bunny costume always gets me. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I'd say a, a lot of the youth get brought in with the outings. Um, the canoe trip was sweet. I mean, everybody was having fun there but i mean i i guess uh, a lot of what brings them in to united when we get kids in there is uh it's not it, we're speaking more to them we're not we're not just coming in and like okay i'm gonna stand up here and just preach a sermon like we're gonna right. we get up there we still explain it but we're gonna have we have fun with it yeah <laughs> we have fun with it we're and it's you know way smaller we already got a small church now think of that like super condensed yeah and we just try to make it fun so i think that's really what draws them in and keeps them coming back is that we're just interactive telling jokes most of the time. That's awesome. And you guys have been consistent with it. You know, that that's a big thing too, that, that our church I think has been mm -hmm. getting just constantly proving our church is constantly improving and constantly going forward and new things and consistency with the youth has been a huge thing. I think just mm -hmm. every single week getting them together, you know, and we grew from literally like three years ago, nothing, you know, we just got a bunch of group kids together and, mm -hmm. And weren't really sure what to do, how to move forward. And then you guys stepped in with, with Alex and Sarah and just uh, really took it by the range. And then Jonathan coming on, you guys have done just an amazing job at being consistently sewing into these kids. And you can tell when they come in that you guys have a relationship with the kids. And that's a huge part of it, too, is is having a relationship with them, knowing them that not only that they matter to the church, but the people that are sewing into their lives notice them. Mm -hmm. You know, because that's the biggest thing nowadays is trying to fit in, trying to be relevant, trying to be, you know, part of the clique. And, and here, you guys acknowledge all those guys. And so I think that's been a huge part of them kind of coming out of the shells. And I know there were a couple of kids that have really come out of their shells too. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a huge part of it is, mm -hmm. is knowing that they have a voice and that they, they belong there, you know. Mm -hmm. So you guys have done a great job with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, it's just kind of cool, too. It's um, seeing what you guys have been able to do with the youth in such a short amount of time. And it's just, to me, it's a, almost like a kind of this micro, um, almost like a micro revival a little bit. And um, just happening within our little youth group. And it just, the reason, I'm just trying to segue I'm not. I'm oh, just sitting here. I, I thought you were side eyeing me. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I'm 
I'm just scared. I'm looking at you the whole rest of this podcast. Dude. Scott, you got right in trouble. Locked in. You got in trouble. <laughs> we love life. each other. <laughs> but <clears throat> speaking of on fire, um, but you know, one of the things that Kevin was really passionate about, though, is um, very much so he's very passionate about Grand Rapids, our city, our home city that we're all in. And he referred to Grand Rapids as being like, he's like, it's like an Acts 19 type of a revival in the works, you know, and Acts 19, you know, he talked about when Paul was in um, Ephesus and the church in that time, there was a lot of signs and wonders. There was, you know, people were getting healed. Um, he was like, you know, ripping parts of his robe and, and sending them off with his, uh, you know, his apostles and his disciples. And, uh, you know, people were just getting healed just with the anointing that was on his cloth. And there was just such amazing things. There was so much. And, you know, Paul or uh, Kevin was talking about, like, he feels that Grand Rapids is primed for that. Mm -hmm. Like, we're almost like on this cusp of what could potentially be an amazing revival where the the glory of God can truly be made manifest here. And one of the things that um, that he said was a church on fire is a church that literally, actively, and intentionally is turning the world around with the manifest glory of God on a daily basis. And he went in to talk about the church in Acts 2, um, Acts uh, 2, verse 42 through 47. I'm just going to kind of read through it real quickly here. Um, the scripture says, and they continued talking about the the Christians in the, the church of the time, and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles, and now all who believed were together, and all had things in common, sold their possessions and goods, divided them among all as everyone had need. So continually continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And I wanted to lead into, you know, Kevin was like, what does it look like to be completely devoted to God? What does it look like um, to be kind of sold out? You know, I think we've all maybe like our religious mindsets have have our own ideas of what it looks like to be like completely on fire and sold out to God. But have you guys had any, you know, like a fresh revelation of what you think that it looks like to be devoted? <laughs> I mean, I think I had that very much like religious mindset as a little kid, because I remember preachers always saying like, what's the first thing you do when you wake up? And I remember being like, oh man, I don't pray to God. I'm going to hell. Like, this is awful. And I just feel like I very much had that religious mindset of like, oh, I should be praying 10 times a day. I should be reading my Bible 10 times a day. And like, realistically, as you get older, like, that's not always like the most, I don't know, like not the, why can I not think today? <laughs> um, it's not always the most like accurate thing you can do because you're busy and you're doing all these other things I mean you should have that desire to want to spend time with God and want to read the Bible and want to pray um but I think that like when you're telling yourself to do it at this set time of the day like I don't think that's necessarily like you wanting to do it out of your heart I think that's just you doing it because you feel like you need to do it out of duty not yeah. out of mm -hmm. heart desire right mm -hmm. 
So I don't know. I grew up with that mindset of just like, it was really, it's still hard for me to really break out of that mindset sometimes, honestly. Like I still really struggle reading the Bible because just the community I was raised in, like it was forced. Mm. Um, And like, so I feel like I never like fully like have enjoyed reading the Bible and I really struggle with that and I still need to like take more time to do that because it is a good way for you to spend time with God and to like understand more of his word and understand what he has for you but Mm -hmm. it's always been something that I really struggle with because I was very much like engraved in that religion mindset Mm. of like you need to do this and then it became a task and I was like I don't enjoy this so I need to like rework my mind and enjoying it again um yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. Well, I think a lot of people fall into that too in the beginning. You yeah. know, right when you get saved, it's like everything is so brand new, and you're like, all right, now what do I do? All right, you got to read your Bible. You got to do this. Got to do this. And you make that mental, ta- that spiritual task list, it. and you go, all right, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. But the more you develop a relationship with God, and it took me years to do this, where it was, I want to learn more about Him because I want to be more like Him. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to do that out of duty. Versus, I want to know more about my God because he's my God, mm-hmm. he's my dad, and I want to know more about my dad. And that was the biggest thing for me was it was going from, all right, it's a duty. I got my checklist. All right, I'm good to go now for the day. Instead of, yeah, there are days where I don't pray every day, and there are times when I don't read the Bible for days on end. Not that the desire's not there, but it's also not, oh, God, I'm not. I'm going to go to hell now because I didn't read my Bible a week, or I've got to go and confess now. God knows you, and he knows your heart, mm-hmm. right? So it's that desire of, I want to spend time with you, God. And even if it's praying in the car on the mm-hmm. way to work or on the way to the gym or wherever it may be, the desire is always there to stay connected. Mm-hmm. And so I think that'd be the biggest thing is the the desire to stay connected with God at all times, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and then um, the desire is hugely – because I know when I first got saved, I it was like I had this, like, whirlwind love affair with Jesus. And, like, the first few months it was like um, – you know, and just to kind of give you a little background about, um, you know, my my story, I got saved before Scott did, and he was an atheist, and he liked to debate and thought it was fun, and I don't like to debate. You know, for me, you don't debate faith because it just is, and um, and so I had like literally, I had an affair with Jesus on my husband. He'd go to work and then I would like turn on Joyce Meyer and watch her, you know, her sermons. And I would write down almost everything she said. And I would go into the scripture and highlight scripture. And then I would pray. And I was so jonesed. I couldn't get enough of it. You know, I was so excited and I felt like God was speaking to me and I could feel his presence. And it was like this beautiful experience. And then what happened was over time, I felt like the honeymoon phase was over Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden I didn't feel as like gaga anymore you know I didn't get the like goosebumps I wasn't you know and so I started questioning where I stood with God I started questioning am I even saved like God are you even here still and then um and then of course going through church trauma and religious trauma which most everyone goes through you know and uh and learning to kind of, uh, I know this is a hot word nowadays, but kind of deconstruct the religious mindset that I have and then reconstruct my faith and Mm -hmm. as to what God wanted for me and going through that process. But like you, I, I used 
scripture, like I used reading the word almost as a way of like keeping score or mm-hmm. like as a way of like earning his favor or as a way. And it's like, you know, as as a parent, and I think Scott can agree with this, like I wouldn't want my kids to like obey me because they're trying to always be in my favor or be in my good graces. Because then that to me makes me not feel like a parent. It makes me feel like I'm your ruler. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to feel like that over my, my kids. You oh, know? I don't mind one bit as long as they do the chores. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, I, I want my kids to, you know, do their chores because, you know, of respect and because they understand, like, mom and dad are trying to teach me responsibilities. But I don't want them to do it because if I don't do this, mom and dad are going to be mad at me. Or if I don't act a certain way or talk a certain way or look a certain way, mom and dad aren't going to want me in their life or they're not going to want to have a relationship with me. If I, as a parent, don't think that way towards my kids, how much more better is God going to think of us? You know, like as much as we love our kids, it's never going to be what God has for us. As much as we love our kids, it's never going to be to the level that God loves us. He is love. That's who he is. It's, you know, love isn't a feeling. It's not an emotion. And I think that that's where I had to deconstruct the religious mindset that I had was I viewed love as performance and I viewed love as a feeling instead of understanding that love is a person and his name is Jesus. So. Amen. And I don't know where I was going with that, but hey. That's all right. We can learn more about you. And that's what we're here for today. Yeah. I feel like, too, like, I struggle reading my Bible, but honestly, sometimes, like, the Christian self-help books, like, I found ways to read those because it's, like, a little bit more exciting to me and, like, kind of have to wash away, like, that religious mindset of reading the Bible, but mm-hmm. you're still learning about God and you're learning so many things through Him. And then, like, worship music, too, is wonderful. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I love worship music. I mean, not everyone likes it. But okay. I like we all have our different ways of worshiping, and I love worship music. Mm-hmm. But that's I like good worship music. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I like some worship music. When it gets a little too slow, I'm like, okay, where are the clanging cymbals? Like, you know, let's go back to what David was saying. <laughs> I want to get into it. Right. <laughs> I I love the slow song, so we can't we can't listen to worship music together. That's our worship okay. music is very different. It'll go from like one extent to the other. <laughs> yeah. It's all right. It's the yin and the yang, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I know um, kind of going back to, <clears throat> um, you know, what does it look like to be continually devoted to God? And um, just, I don't know, for me, I, in my heart, I want to be devoted to him in a way that... Um, attracts people to Jesus in a way that would make people understand that you're safe with Jesus, Mm -hmm. that you're accepted with Jesus because you're accepted in Jesus. Like I wanted to, um, that's, that's the type of person that I would like to evolve into as a Christian is when, like Kevin was saying, like, I want, I want someone to recognize me and be like, there's something different about that guy. Mm -hmm. And I want what he has. Mm -hmm. And like when, you know, like, you know, talking about myself again, but (laughs) when I first got saved, um, I was flipping through the channels, folding laundry, and I came across like Joyce Meyer and, um, she was, 
preaching in a bright red pantsuit, and I had never seen a woman do that, and I thought it was bold, and it, it caught my attention, like, oh, okay, she's not only preaching the gospel, because I was raised in a church where women don't preach, mm-hmm. Same. but she also was wearing a pantsuit, and I just, she looked powerful to me, I guess. And then she actually shared her testimony about how she was um, sexually abused by her father and how the Lord um, helped her to overcome it. And, you know, I, I wanted, like, there was something about God on her and God through her and what he was able to do in her life that made me go, I want that. And so I, I think for me, that's kind of where I'm at in my life. Like, I want someone to... I don't want to have to say I'm a Christian. I want someone to be like, what's different about Mm -hmm. you? And I want someone to, and I'll be honest, just bragging on Scott here. Scott, I think you naturally have like the father's heart and it draws people into you. And it's in, you know, Scott doesn't act all preachy. He doesn't act all like high above everybody. But I think it's just the, how you, you walk and how, God loves you, if that makes sense. You're making me cry. <laughs> but it's but I think that that because I do use you as an example quite often. But it's I feel like you walk in your. I think that you have discovered how God loves others, and that's how you walk. Well, a lot of it was you know coming from what I came from, you know, being an atheist and used to love to make people doubt their faith and would argue it at lengths in you know, all hours of the morning trying to make people doubt what they had and the faith that they had. When I got saved, man, I truly had a revelation in going to, you know, this mentor tree called Quest. Um, it changed my perspective on everything. And mm-hmm. I got to see I was accepted by my father. And, and it's not anything that I did. It was in spite of me. You know, when the guys that created Quest, whenever we would start praying, you would start with, Father, you're so amazing, and I just thank you for loving me in spite of me. It's like he sees all these little areas of junk that we try to keep hidden and that we think we're hiding from people. God sees it all. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he knows. He knows what's on the inside of you. And in spite of it, he's like, I don't even see that, son. I love you. You're perfect. And it's like, who am I then to look at anyone else and think anything different when, dude, I was the worst of the worst, you know? But he showed me grace and he showed me love. So how how can I not, you know? And one of the biggest things God did for me was I used to be very unemotional. I could detach from people in a heartbeat. And when I got saved, it like, God just melted my heart. He gave me the best gift of all. He gave me his heart. And I have to operate in that every day because mm-hmm. it's still, you know, there are times where I catch myself becoming hardened. And willing to shut people out, and dude, I don't want that at all. You know, I want I want to see people come together, and I want to see people flourish in life, and I want to see people turn to God and have that 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 feeling of true, unjudgmental love. And I can't do that if I'm looking at somebody with anything else but a father's heart. You know, I don't I don't you know I've said this before. I don't know how to not be a dad. You know, I end up dadding. Most of the young guys that I meet, Trevor and, and Justin and Anybody all Anybody that comes through the gym. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just I, that for me, uh, I, I don't know how, who else to be than that. So, I mean, if, if nothing else, it's a testimony of how great God really is because before this, that was not me in the least. And now, I, gosh, I, I don't know how to not be. 
Okay. Yeah. But I think that that's it, though. I think that is what is going to, it's that heart that's going to start the revival in, in Grand Rapids. It's learning to recognize, like you said, like, you know, when you saw yourself as God's son and when you were able to see the love that he has for you and it changed how you loved others. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's maybe, maybe we need to stop looking at revival as being outwardly and we need to start looking at revival as being internally. Like maybe we can't expect a revival outside if we haven't had one on the inside yet. And mm -hmm. and maybe that's a question that we really have to ask ourselves is, do we see how God loves us? Like, do we really see that? Well, and, I, even, I even think with when you say revival, though, what do people think of when they say revival, right? Because a lot of people think signs and wonders and miracles, right? Mm -hmm. what, what if revival is just everyone falling face down in awe of our Father, mm -hmm. seeking His face? Right. You know, because that ultimately brings on all that other good stuff. Yeah. But it's, I think, focus may have to change and instead of just focusing on, all right, revival, yeah. we're going to lay hands, they're going to be healed. They're gonna be, that's a byproduct. That's a fruit of seeking God's face. Yeah. Right. That's yep. a that's a fruit of strengthening your relationship with God. So it, it's there's a priority. You know, God is a God of order. Not that sporadic things don't happen and miracles happen every single day mm -hmm. in, in different places. But it's you know what are we doing with that? Are we glorifying the gifts and the miracles then as revival, or are we glorifying God mm -hmm. in that? Yeah. So I, I think that's really what needs to change is, is instead of searching out pursuing. The, the the good stuff on the, the the fruit we need to pursue the root and the tree and then we'll get the fruit if we yeah. pursue that first yeah uh something that chris and i have been talking and jeff all three of us were talking about it recently but <clears throat> it's been a conversation for like the past month and uh as the church we just need to get ourselves out of the way mm -hmm. is really what it is we just need to get ourselves out of the way and i mean it's hard to see it and recognize it most of the time. But once that happens, we can all fall f face down in awe of God. We can, we can have that revival once we d finally decide to put ourselves to the side, once we finally mm -hmm. die to ourselves. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> um, that was just so good, though. Like, I kind of don't want to le leave that topic just yet just you know um just identifying god's love for each of us internally first and um just and like you said too scott you know like what does revival look like and and so many people like you said they especially like when we were first save everyone chased after the signs and the wonders mm -hmm. and stuff and you know and even like the mass evangelism you know mm -hmm. And, but well, it's exciting. You see, you know, people get healed, and you see all those things. And it's like, oh, this is so cool. I want. What else can he do? Oh, he's going to heal a blind person, dude. Grab his feet. Yeah, ooh. And you get in love with that of saying, God, you are so awesome that you did this. Right. Mm -hmm. You know. Well, and and maybe it's you know it's not to demise or not demise, um, reduce God as God, but we need to also understand the complexity of who he is as our father mm -hmm. and you know the fact that he chose each and every single one of us before he formed the earth he chose each and every single one of us like i 
we I think we need to really understand that that at the heart of who we are, we are chosen by God. He chose us. And and we were created from his love, from who he is. We're a facet and a reflection of his love. And um so I, I just am you know, I think for myself personally, I need to get a deeper revelation of, of you know, maybe his thoughts and his his love internally for me so that I can help, so that I can love externally mm-hmm. better. So, all right. And then, <clears throat> see if there's anything else here. Um, you know, the one thing, too, on that scripture um, that I read shortly ago was it talked about how the Lord added people to the church daily. And um, I sometimes I feel like, and I came from a ministry where, you know, mass evangelism was a thing. You know, it was about how many, like, and I'll just be honest, it was about telling your story in such a way that it moved people to raise a hand and say a prayer. And then you have someone in the back counting all the hands raised, like there's a spiritual quota in heaven or something. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, that was one of the things that I, I had to, to unlearn and understand that, that it's not us. We don't lead people to, you know, like God adds people to the church. Mm-hmm. All we have to do is, is represent him as his ambassadors here on earth. And that's just through through loving and through serving and and honestly learning how as a church, as a community, to love one another in the correct way. And you know, one thing that Kevin also talked about is what does it look like, what does it look like for us to be in one accord? Yeah. And you know, he said that um, hom- homogeny, that word, mm-hmm. is not the same as <laughs> I didn't really think about it hard before I said it, but it's not the same as unity. And, you know, homogeny is almost like everything is the same, static. Mm-hmm. It, whereas unity is you have so many different people, but there's the same mind, the same vision. We all have different giftings and different talents and different thoughts, but we all are united in the same love and the same vision. And so, um, you know, just. I want to hear your guys' perspective on how, what do you think that it would take to get to the church to quit being so divided today and to actually come together and be united as in one mind? Like, could different denominations of Christianity actually get to that point? Well, I think the biggest thing is pride, right? Get and, ourselves out of the way. Yeah, it's pride. You know, and, and we're starting to branch out into that here. You know, we're, we're starting to partner with other churches and doing things that aren't church specific versus just God specific, right? You know, we're, we're partnering with other churches. We're doing men's groups with other churches. And it's, it's things like that that are going to really tear down the walls between denominations, between different churches, between cities and states where, you know, everyone wants to protect their their kingdom, their little K kingdom, instead of building onto God's kingdom, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think the more that we do that, because the biggest thing is we have to be willing to put our our feet where mouths are right instead of just speaking all the time about unity let's operate in that what does that look like that you know that that's doing those things and not drawing attention to it but just loving other other churches other Mm -hmm. denominations without trying to get them to convert without trying to get them to come to our church Mm -hmm. without trying to oh you see where you're wrong about this 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 look god's god right right all right jesus is the savior yep okay cool let's go 
mm-hmm. instead of, well, if you believe this and believe this, and what about, what about that? How about we all just come together and say God is great and God is good, and let's show that. Mm-hmm. And the more we do that, we have to set the example by doing. It's like with anything else. People have seen lip service and people bumping gums about God for centuries. Mm-hmm. What they haven't seen is people acting in a godly way towards another. You know, mm-hmm. the Bible says they will know they will know you by how you love each other. Mm-hmm. Well, how are we loving other churches? How are we loving other believers that don't line up specifically with what we believe? Are we accepting of them and loving them? Or are we saying, uh, you're just skewed a little wrong. Yeah, you're almost right there. It's just saying, look, man, God is God, and we're going to partner with you. We're going to love you. Until we do that more and more and break down those walls and those barriers between denominations and churches and all those other things, there, there's never going to be true unity. But it's going to take at least somebody has to start. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing is somebody has to put one foot forward and swallow the pride, get themselves out of the way and go, you know what? I'm not going to do this. God, help us create relationship. Help us, help us bridge these things. Help us restore relationship with these other people. And that is when I really think we're going to see real unity coming across, you know, between churches and cities and, and everything else, the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Well, is there anything else that you guys would like to add? Anything that was on your heart? For that last question, he summed it up like perfectly. I think too, like I had a talent of doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I think too, it has a lot to do with just like pride. Honestly, just telling yourself that you're better than everyone else, and then when you pride results in judgment. Judgment yes. results in pushing people away, and just yep. the Bible calls you to love like Jesus, and in order to attract people and like draw people into a church in the first place or even have them want to talk to you, you kind of have to be open and non-judgmental. And I think a lot of people really struggle with that. And it is really hard to check yourself and step down and be mm-hmm. like, oh, that was mean. That was rude. I shouldn't be thinking those things because it is just by nature what people want to do. But I think setting that aside is really important. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Well, because all that stuff leads to comparison, you know. Yeah. You're judging them because mm-hmm. you're comparing them to what you think is right or wrong or where you're not measuring up. So you're going to cop them at to because you feel they're a super Christian. We've had that. We've had that talk before. You see other people speak, especially if you're a new believer. I can't be like that person. Oh, they're probably fake anyways. Or I, I, I feel, I'm better than him. At least I don't do this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Well, man, okay. I didn't know you were so special. <laughs> you know, because bottom line is, we're missing the mark every day as, as people. We mm-hmm. miss it every single day. So no one person is worse than another. And I'm preaching myself right now because God's kicking me in the rear end right now over things, judgments <laughs> that I've made recently where it's like, oh, well, I can't believe they do that. God's like, yeah, I can't believe you do that. <laughs> oh, I remember, it. so there was one one time um, I was in, in the Word, and this was years ago, and it was something I never forgot, but God... Um, he spoke to me and he showed me a scripture and I can't remember like where the verse is, but essentially what it says is, um, when you judge others, you are going to be judged with the same accord. And what he showed me was when you judge others, what you're doing is you're opening yourself up to be in that exact same position to receive that same kind of judgment that you judge that person on. Mm -hmm. So when God showed me that, it was almost like, unless you want that same judgment on you, don't do it, don't open that door. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, and the thing about judgment is it sucks the love right out of you. Mm -hmm. You can't judge in love, you can't do it. 
And um, and even Jesus, when uh, the Pharisees were accusing him and, you know, um, I can't, it was in the book of John and they were, you know, just kind of accusing him and they because of how he was loving others. And, and he says to them, you know, you judge according to human standards. I don't, he, he actually says, I judge no man. Mm-hmm. But if I did judge, my judgment would be true because I go to the Father who sent me. So even Jesus himself, when he gave up his deity, part of giving that up was giving up the right to actually have the judgment that God has. And um, and so if we were to be his ambassadors and if we were to be his disciples, we can't judge others. We don't have the right to do that. If Jesus gave up his right to come down and live a perfect life here on earth, we have to give up that same right too. That's so. right. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right. Well, guys, I appreciate you guys coming out. Um, I think this was an awesome and just very thankful for you guys. Again, United, you guys are, all of you guys are, are just doing an amazing job. I love every Sunday seeing the group just, you know, like a quarter of the church get up and walk back with you guys. <laughs> it's just been awesome. So keep, keep it up. And uh, for those of you who aren't tuned in, um, appreciate you guys joining us. We're so thankful and grateful for you as always. Um, if you want to continue to, you know, to check us out, um, you can actually subscribe to us. We're pretty much everywhere that podcasts are. We're um, iTunes, uh, Spotify, YouTube, YouTube. Um, you know, you can uh, subscribe to us there. Um And I think without further ado, uh, thank you guys very much and have a good one. Have a good night, guys.